0: For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death and to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many paddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak. In Christ, amen. Shall we pray? Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word once again on this uh, this Sunday evening. And we just praise you, Father, uh, for your servant this evening. Give him everything that he stands in need of. We thank you for the preparation that's gone into this. And we pray that uh, through him... You will speak, Father, and you'll speak into a, a, a world that is hurting, Father, that uh, through his words, we will see Jesus Christ, him crucified, him risen as our Lord and Savior, especially those, Father, that don't know him, Father, open hearts this evening. All this in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior, alone we pray, amen. Amen. People of God, every year we witness an increase in opposition against Christianity in the that has been increased the desire to de Christianize almost every aspect of our lives. As the desire for de Christianization grows, we see fewer people attending the churches and less attempt to share the gospel and less interest in the gospel among believers. Also, there are so called Christian. Worldwide who have been corrupting the church from inside and causing many to go astray from the path of righteousness. The influence of the false teachers has also been growing every year because they preach as the world would like to hear. And here we are today. We find ourselves oppressed from the inside and outside. We find ourselves facing many challenges that, our side, that control the outside of our control. And we might be asking ourselves, who am I to make a difference? There are so many things that can easily make us hopeless in the spiritual world. So we began to feel insufficient. We simply don't know what to do or how to respond. As Paul rightly asks in our text today, who can be sufficient for these things? No one can. Because our sufficiency doesn't rely on us. That's what we tend to forget. And that's what we need to remember this evening. We will look into our passage with three points. The servant of Christ the fragments of Christ, and the sufficiency of Christ. Corinth, the city of retired soldiers, merchants, slaves, and pagan temples. Paul stayed in Corinth one and a half year, as we can read in Acts 18. The Lord saved many in Corinth, but the church had been dealing with so many problems, beginning the first day from the first day. 2 Corinthians is actually the fourth letter Paul writes to Corinthians. Before this letter, Paul wrote a painful letter. He mentions this in chapter 2, verse 3, and chapter 7, verse 8. And we read this painful letter actually produced some repentance among Corinthian believers. Yet, there were still some problems. They couldn't let it go. They were still struggling. And some Corinthians began to believe those so-called apostles among them. Because the so-called apostles, they were trying to destroy Paul's authority. They were undermining him, his authority while he was not in Corinth. So Paul mainly writes Second Corinthians to defend his ministry and defend his apostolic authority. And Paul centers these letters on on one sentence that we can find in chapter 12, verse 10. This is the center of the whole letter, chapter 12, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insult, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the main idea of the whole letter. This is the main defense of Paul. I am nothing, but God is everything. And chapter 2, verse 14 and 17 is where Paul begins to defend his ministry against critic and charges by pointing to the nature of the gospel. He goes to the gospel. That's how he begins to defend his ministry and authority. There is a sudden and sharp change when you look at verse 13. There is a sharp change from 13 to verse to 14. However, digressions were common in the ancient letter writings. So Paul decides to begin to defend his ministry. And he continues to talk about his journey and plans beginning from verse chapter 7 verse 5. So he takes a break until chapter 7 verse 5. Paul began his uh, his defense by identifying himself as a servant of Christ. He gives a powerful illustration to Corinthian believers. The Greek word that Paul uses for triumphal processions refers to a very special ceremony that used to take place in the ancient city of Rome. It was called the Roman Triumph. It was the highest honor that a Roman citizen could ever receive. In order to have a Roman triumph in your name, you, of course, you had to do s- certain things. You have to fulfill some conditions. There were six conditions, but I will mention only two related to our passage. First, a general had to conquer a new territory. For Rome. Second, he had to be called by his soldier, Imperator, which means his absolute authority had to be recognized before this honor given to him. And when general received the Roman triumph, the whole city would be shut down for a day. And everybody would take place to watch this triumphal procession. There were three stages during the procession. In first stage, there were paintings and 3D modelings about the conquered land. So people could have an idea where was conquered, where is this place. So the first stage was kind of like an advertisement of the land they conquered. And this advertisement was followed by spoils of war mainly consist of slaves and treasures. In the second stage, the victor himself would, would appear on a chariot that was pulled by four white horses. He would appear to crowd, crowd as almost a king and almost a god. And in the final stage, the victorious Roman army would enter the city and share the celebration. So Paul uses this term to picture Christ as the victorious Roman general. And he himself as a spoil of war. As the triumphant general led the spoils of war in the procession, Paul says that in verse 14, Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Paul pictures himself as a slave of the victorious general general. Christ Jesus. And he is thankful for that. He is thankful that he is a slave of this victorious king. He is so happy that he was conquered by Christ. And this is how Paul begins to his defense. He says, I am just a servant of Christ. Some Corinthians and so-called apostles were talking behind of Paul and blaming him being incompetent speaker. If you read chapter, if you read the verse, uh, chapter ten, verse 10, ten, ten, chapter ten, verse ten, that's what they say. Please look look at it with me. They would say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech of no account. No account. That's what they were saying behind the, behind Paul. They were talking about him. They were. Destroying his authority. They were telling everything about him while Paul was not here. But when Paul was there, they were just, they were quiet. They were not saying anything. Paul is not worried. Paul is not worried because he makes it clear that Christ has already won the battle. It doesn't matter what Paul accomplishes. Wherever he goes or whatever he does, this is the work of God. Paul is just a slave of the victorious king. And he already won a decisive battle against the devil, against the death. The battle has already been won. Paul is grateful to be servant of this victorious king. And he knows that God will continue to use him wherever he goes or wherever he stays. The gospel is the work of God, God alone. So it is not a coincidence that Holy Spirit plays a central central role in 2 Corinthians. For example, Paul says he is the guarantor of our faith, chapter 1 and chapter 5. He is the life-giver, chapter 3. He is the minister of new covenant, chapter 3 verse 8. He is the source of our freedom. Again, chapter 3, verse 17. And finally, he is the one who transforms us. Chapter 3, verse 18. Paul makes one thing very clear that this is not his ministry. But this is the ministry of God himself. God, by his spirit, leads his people in Christ, even though they are weak, fragile, and insufficient. For the power of God would be manifested in his children's life. God chooses people who are weak according to human standards. Yet, he does wondrous works through them. And whenever we look at their lives, we see this is not them, but God. This is the hand of God. This is the work of God. And this is repeated throughout the scripture. And this is the same pattern in the Old Testament. People of God, as long as we live in Christ and rely on his power alone, we will be fragrances of his knowledge. As Paul says, God is the one who makes manifest his fragrance through us. We don't become... The fragments of the gospel because how much we know or how much we don't know. It doesn't matter you are an experienced preacher, missionary, or any servant of the Lord, it has nothing to do with you. God doesn't decide according to human standards. If He did, no one could be a servant of the Lord. You are his spoils of war. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. Whatever you do, wherever you live, you are his fragments, And this is something you should be thankful because there is no power in man for his salvation. Paul speaks about not just being a fragrance, of the knowledge of God, but he also says that Christians are the sweet fragments of Christ. So Paul talks about more intimate relationship between believers and their savior, in verse 15 and 16. The gospel is not just knowing Christ, but it's having a personal relationship and being transformed to likeness of the Son. And the gospel has an impact on the believing person as well. So this is not just the gospel that we believe and something we find our hope and joy. But this is the gospel also transforms the person from outside. Christians become the witness of the victory. They carry the mark of their beloved Savior and they are known by their smell Paul uses two Greek words for smell in verse 15 and 16 The one that Paul uses three times in our passage is translated as a fragrance which this simply means smell but the second word I would like to draw your t- attention Paul uses only once that translated as sweet fragrance which means the sweet smell of sacrifice a sacrifice that turns away God's anger. The same word Paul uses in Ephesians 5.2. He, say, he says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So there are two kinds of fragrances in verse 15 and 16. The first, we are a sweet fragrance to God. We smell Christ to God. Whenever God looks upon us, he smells this perfect sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. So this way we can find mercy and grace for our forgiveness of our many sins. Without Christ, we smell our sin. We smell death. And secondly, other people can also smell this smell, Paul says. But there are two groups of people in our text Paul mentions that they have a different reaction to this smell. The first group, Paul says, to one a fragrance from death to death. So whenever these people smell the sweet fragrance of Christ, they can only smell death. They cannot see more. Then a body that was given as a sacrifice for the sins of many. Whenever they see a cross, they see only death and a corpse. Because the gospel is either a stumbling block or foolishness to them. That's what, says, that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. For them, we are a smell from death to death. Which means their end won't be different from their beginning. He who rejects Christ remains spiritually dead and will be found guilty on the day of judgment. And their sentences will be the second death. The eternal separation from God. This is what they smell when they encounter with the gospel. However... The gospel is also a frankness from life to life for those who were ordained for eternal life. The gospel spiritually resurrects us because we were spiritually dead and by the gospel we became spiritually alive. And the most wonderful part of the gospel is not just because we are spiritually resurrected, but it's about the victory over death. And the eternal life we are going to have with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those who believe in the gospel won't die again, but live forever. So what Paul communicate with us here, that the preaching of the gospel causes either death or life to become increasingly more rooted in the hearer. People of God, there is no middle ground for us. There is no middle ground for anyone. The gospel is either a smell of that or smell of life to those around you. And for us, we don't have any option to choose what to smell either. We are simply under God's authority and slaves of the gospel. If we belong to God, we are a fragrance of the gospel. We don't have an option such as belong to the gospel, but not a fragrance of the gospel. This is not an option. The faith in Christ is the faith that's given us in the scripture. And it requires us to surrender ourselves and to be servant of the gospel. If we call ourselves Christians, we must be bearing the fragments of the gospel. We live in the 21st century, where the most things are driven by result-oriented culture. And unfortunately, many churches around the world are driven by the same understanding as well. For them, the gospel has become only the smell of life. And whenever the gospel becomes a smell of death, it doesn't fit into their expectation Because all they want and all they think from the gospel is to be smell of life. If it's not the smell of life, they call it a failure. But they have forgotten something. They have forgotten that the gospel never fails. They have forgotten how God uses the gospel in people's life. Yes, we would like to see everyone who hears the gospel to coming to Christ. Yes, I shared the gospel with my father, uncles, aunts, cousins, and so many others. I, w- I still would like to see them to coming to Christ. I haven't lost my hope, but I know that it's not up to me, because I know that we are a frankness from death to death. And to do other, a frankness of life to life. Whenever we share the gospel, we do what God commands us to do. And this is all that matters. This should be our only motivation. We need to get rid of our result oriented approach of evangelizing. We need to regain our trust in God. As Paul did, because we are only servants of the Lord. Because God does everything and the gospel never fails. We need to remind ourselves to trust God's decision and wait for His timing. Having known the perfection of Christ and sinfulness of man, Paul rightly asked an important question, which is our last point. Who is sufficient for those things? Who is sufficient to save someone? Who is sufficient to call himself the servant of God? As soon as Paul asks this question, he answers it for Timothy and for himself. He says in verse 17, we are not sufficient. Paul gives this answer right away. We are not sufficient. Yes, Paul, Timothy, Titus, apostles, they were not sufficient. And they all humbly accepted it. On the contrary, they were proud of their weaknesses. They were proud of their insufficiency. The Greek word for sufficient in our text literally means that Judged in the light of the sun and pure in emotives. Paul uses this term to differentiate himself from the so-called apostle. But some still thinks they are sufficient for the ministry in Corinth. Paul calls them peddlers of God's word. Paul creates a very strong contrast between him and them. The Greek word that Paul uses for them is, means that to be a retired dealer. So this term applied to those who made a trade of selling their teaching for profit. Paul uses this term for them. These teachers were professional speakers who had long been accused of changing the truth into error for their gain. However, Paul is not concerned about them receiving money, any money from Christians, but he is concerned about the gospel they teach. The motivation of these many teachers was the money, not the gospel. Paul later calls them, this teacher, super apostle in the letter because they had a, they had a very high view of themselves. And they called Paul weak and insufficient. They were the ones who have been trying to destroy Paul's authority. They were also tempering the word of God for gain. That's what we read in chapter 4, verse 2. And also we read that they were sharing a corrupted gospel. Having known himself a servant of a triumphant God, Paul find his sufficiency in Christ not in the art of speaking nor letters of recommendations that the false teacher said he is sufficient because the Lord said to him in chapter 12 verse 8 my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness he is sufficient because God has made him sufficient as a minister of the new covenant. Not the letter, not of the letter, but of the spirit. People of God, there are many retired dealers today in the church. They haven't gone anywhere since the time of Paul. These people are only interested in making a name for themselves. And their trust in their letters of recommendation as so-called super apostles in Corinth. They corrupt and twist the gospel as they wish to make more profit. Their goal is to make everyone happy. They advertise the gospel that the world, world would like to hear. They prefer the friendship of the world over the friendship of our Savior. They are of the world, not of the gospel. However, the danger is not just outside. It is also inside of our churches. This is not just about them. This is also about us. As the world has been tightening its grip around the church in West, Result-oriented Christianity has been eating and corrupted the church from inside. Christians are losing their fragments. We are becoming odorless and tasteless. As Paul challenges the church in Corinth in chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, we need to be challenged by the same verses this evening and consider What is Spirit telling us? This is what Paul writes. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test, I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. So let me ask you, brothers and sisters, have you ever abandoned any doctrine of Scripture to have a peace with the world? Have you been a fragments of life and death to people around you? Is your life a living sacrifice for Christ or a collection of letters of recommendation. The nature of the gospel relies in God. The nature of the gospel is to be a servant and fragment of Christ and to find your sufficiency in Him. May God help us to understand and remember the nature of the gospel. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. The Lord of heavens and earth, you regard the lovely, but the proud you know from afar. May your Holy Spirit imply your words into our hearts and help us to be humble before your holy throne. Amen. Let us respond to preaching of the word by singing hymn number, 374, hymn number 374.